Kiri, the Bite Size Birthday Biography Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Mira. This is a daily podcast which shines a spotlight on a person born on this day at some point in history somewhere in the world who made a positive lasting impact. Today, September 18th, we're going to celebrate the birth and life of Eddie Anderson, legendary African-American actor and radio star, best known as Rochester. He was born on this day in 1905. So full disclosure, I was a bit on the fence about doing a bio on Eddie. He's one of quite a few people that we're going to learn about in the coming year that truly made the world a funner and more beautiful place with their respective art form. However, one could make the case that the roles that he took perpetuated some pretty racist stereotypes, usually the one about the lazy, scatterbrained black man. Uh, Eddie was often cast as a porter, a shoeshine man. His characters were usually unmotivated, barely educated, on welfare, prone to gambling, and womanizing. And while no one can argue that these stereotypes are false and damaging, they are not the sum total of Eddie's contribution to film and radio, nor are they a panoramic shot of his life. During the first half of the 20th century, there were virtually no non-subservient roles for actors of color. You would be hard-pressed to find any black actor during that time whose career was nothing but starring roles. It simply wasn't something studios were investing in. Studios knew that audiences of color, who obviously had to go to black theaters, still had money to spend, so they made movies with all black casts, but they were usually low-budget, given to novice directors, and the starring actors usually fell into the role of an entertainer or one of the classic racist tropes. I took all of this into consideration before I made the choice to talk about Eddie today. He was an actor in a time when there were extremely limited options, and he chose to put his humor and his talent into the world via the channels that were open to him at that time. And like everybody that we talk about on this podcast, they are more than just the sum of their accomplishments. Eddie was not only a great actor and the first person of color to have a recurrent starring role on a nationwide radio program, he was also the highest paid black actor in Hollywood in the 1940s, making $100,000 a year. That's about $1.6 million today. He supported people of color in business and in Hollywood, and in his will, he instructed his son to turn his home into a foundation for men dealing with drug abuse and mental health issues, which is still standing in L.A. today. Eddie was a man with many gifts, many talents, and many facets, and I'm so happy that we get to talk about him today. So Eddie Anderson was born in Oakland, California to a showbiz family. His dad was a minstrel performer and his mom was a tightrope walker until she took a bad fall and had to leave that job. His ancestors had fled to freedom via the Underground Railroad during the Civil War. After the family relocated to San Francisco, Eddie dropped out of school at 14 to run errands and sell papers. There was a running theory among the young newsboys that whoever yelled the loudest would sell the most papers, and Eddie screamed so loudly and for such long periods of time that he ruptured his vocal cords, leaving him with the trademark gravelly voice that would help propel him to film and radio fame. Eddie soon began to hang around theaters a lot. He hung out at stage doors and practiced running gags with his friends. He also developed a lifelong love of horses, and he tried to be a jockey for a minute, but he surpassed the weight limit pretty quickly. There's no way he could have imagined at that time in his life that in a few decades, he would actually own stables of his own racehorses. 
After winning an amateur hour competition at a theater in San Francisco, he officially got started in showbiz in an all-African-American review. Him and his brother Cornelius performed in a variety of vaudeville shows and reviews in the early 20s. Originally, Eddie focused on dance and singing, but he started to add more and more comedy to his routine, which went over really well with audiences. He ended up moving out to California in the 1930s as the entertainment opportunities were obviously much better out there. So Eddie's big break came in 1937 when he had his first appearance on the Jack Benny program. This show would run for three decades and is viewed as one of the best comedy radio TV shows of the 20th century. The skit that he was hired for centered around Jack Benny taking a train trip from Chicago to Los Angeles and Eddie playing a porter on the train who continuously seems to mess things up and gets Jack's goat. Originally, when Jack thought up this skit, he wanted to hire the shoeshine guy from Paramount Studios, a man named Oscar, who had some experience in radio and film, but Oscar's price of 300 bucks was just too high. So Jack then offered the role to Eddie, and after an audition, it was his. Their first exchange in the skit has Eddie calling him Mr. Bunny, and then when Jack points out that his last name is Benny, Eddie shrugs and says, well, it's Easter. Eddie began to get called back for roles every month or so, and the fan mail started to pour in. Jack decided to make Eddie a regular on the show, playing his butler and his valet. His character's name was Rochester Van Jones, and neither Jack nor Eddie remember who exactly came up with the name or what the inspiration was, but Eddie insists that it was Jack who came up with it, but Jack sold him the rights to the name for a dollar. The creation of the reoccurring role made Eddie the first person of color to have a regular role on a nationwide radio program. His first episode as Rochester aired on June 20th, 1937. The show also starred such Hollywood luminaries as Mel Blanc, uh, you may know him as the voice of Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, and Porky Pig, and Phil Harris, the voice of Baloo the Bear in Disney's Jungle Book. In 1939, Eddie married Mamie Wilson, and they were happily married for 15 years until she died of cancer in 1954. Although they had no bio children, Eddie adopted her son, Billy, from her previous marriage, who ended up going on to play for the Chicago Bears. Two years after Mamie died, he remarried Evangela Simon, and they had three kids, two daughters and a son. When they got divorced in 1973, Eddie got full custody of the kids. Benny and Eddie had a great rapport and a friendship, but Eddie's continual lateness uh, was frustrating Benny to the point that he began to fine him $50 whenever he was late for the show. Eddie had this habit of getting so caught up in conversation with people that he would completely lose track of time. But a bigger issue was the content of the ongoing show. In the late 30s, the more openly racist jokes and episode plot points seemed to slide, but after the true horrors of the Holocaust became international knowledge in the mid-40s, people began to take a second look at racial stereotypes in the media. After Jack reused a script from 1941 in 1948, in which Rochester carries a razor, tons of angry letters from listeners poured into the station. So Jack ordered his writers to stop using racial stereotypes in the show and made them all promise to not include any racial jokes in the scripts moving forward. Even though certain parts of Rochester's character, including his laziness and his love of dice, games, and drink, were still kept, the jokes stopped connecting these character traits to any connotation of race. While Jack Benny was fairly progressive for the time, sadly the same couldn't be said for much of the country. While touring, there were numerous times when Jack had to fight a hotel to get Eddie a room. Sometimes he had to resort to threatening to pull the entire road company out of the hotel. 
when a man in the army at one of the bases they were touring refused to sit at a table with Eddie, Jack cussed him out and stormed off. The sad irony here is that Eddie was wealthier than all of these ignorant racists who were denying him lodging and basic courtesy. In the 1940s, he was the top paid black actor in Hollywood, making a hundred grand a year. And people believed he was actually Jack Benny's valet in real life, when in reality, Eddie actually had his own valet. By the 1960s, he was on the Ebony Magazine's list of the top 100 richest people of color in the country. Eddie had set up home in the West Adams neighborhood of L.A. It was a popular neighborhood for black entertainers and was nicknamed Sugar Hill. When designing his home, he insisted on working with the incredibly talented and very popular African-American architect Paul Williams. We will be covering Paul's life on his birthday, February 18th. He built a large white mansion with a swimming pool that the neighborhood kids could always be found splashing about in. When he wasn't working on movies or on the radio program, he was either sailing, visiting his stables of racehorses, or racing custom-built cars. He was the first African-American to own a horse who competed in the Kentucky Derby. The horse's name uh, was Burnt Cork, an homage to the early days of minstrel shows when people would paint their faces with burnt cork. The Jack Benny program switched from radio to TV in 1950, and Eddie stayed on the program until it went off the air in 1965. During the almost 30 years he was performing on the show, he was also making Hollywood movies. Some of his most notable roles are Donald in Frank Capra's Academy Award winning You Can't Take It With You in 1938, starring James Stewart and Lionel Barrymore, a young Ann Miller and Gene Arthur. Eddie's character there was very much borrowed from Rochester as his first line in the whole movie upon walking into a kitchen and sitting down in a chair is, I ain't done nothing, but I'm sure tired. He has a bit part as Uncle Peter, an enslaved person, in Gone with the Wind, and he actually plays a character named Rochester who works at a circus in the 1939 W.C. Fields comedy You Can't Cheat an Honest Man. His one big starring role came in an all-black movie, a musical, in 1943 called Cabin in the Sky, based on the play of the same name. This was Vincent Minnelli's first directorial debut film. It wasn't uncommon for new directors to be given all-black movies to cut their teeth on. A star-studded cast included Ethel Waters, Lena Horne, and Louis Armstrong. Eddie plays a guy named Little Joe who's a good-hearted, compulsive gambler who keeps refusing his wife Petunia's insistence on cleaning up his ways. And after he's shot in a card game, he gets a six-month reprieve from the powers above to try and change his life. He goes straight for a while before being taken in by the sultry Georgia Brown, played by Lena Horne. One of her best numbers from the film, Ain't It the Truth, was cut because the censors didn't like the fact that while she was singing it, she was in a bubble bath. You can find the clip on YouTube. Uh, just look up Lena Horne, Ain't It the Truth, and it's an absolutely beautiful scene. So Little Joe wins the lotto, and the money causes Georgia to step in between him and Petunia for a while. I won't give away what happens during the last third of the film in case you want to check it out, and I very much recommend that you do. So before Eddie's death at the age of 71 from an ongoing cardiac issue, he willed his massive home to be set up as a treatment facility for mental health support and substance abuse issues. His son oversaw this project and the Rochester house is still a functioning haven in LA today. My sources today were Wikipedia, fair play to the author of that article, it's extremely thorough, and some revisits to a few of Eddie's classic films like Cabin in the Sky, you can't cheat an honest man, and you can't take it with you. 
Thank you so much for joining me for our birthday celebration of Eddie Anderson. Please join me tomorrow, September 19th, when we celebrate the birth and life of Dr. Elizabeth Stern, Canadian pathologist and cervical cancer research pioneer. See you then.